This is the Lunar Lab Podcast with Becca P. Estrelli and Maya Toll. Get the whole scoop from two friends in the trenches of conscious business as we try to balance our spirits and our spreadsheets without losing our minds. Join us for the sacred, raw, and very real lunacy. Welcome, lunatics. In today's episode, we're going to talk about staying engaged, and that's with your your customers and your clients. It does have a little bit to do with how you stay engaged with the person who might have put a ring on your finger, too. It's the same exact thing. We're, we're really talking about empathy. Yeah. So originally I was like, Maya, let's talk about getting customer feedback. And Maya was like, that just feels like so stiff and like the comment card you see at like your local store. And like, <laughs> I don't know, I think we're talking more about empathy. And I was like, actually, that's true. Customer feedback feels so like stiff and corporate and really what this is about is the flow of communication, the relationship you develop with your tribe, with the people you want to serve and the people who are in exchange of money with you for your services. Yeah, I think that in talking about this and trying to, you know, drill down on what what Becca was wanting to talk about today, what really came to me is we can kind of be a little person in the high tower, you know, and forget that this creation that that we're making, because we get so into the making and the creating, whether we're creating a course or a video or, you know, a hip hop dance thing to put on MTV, like whatever it is, we get so into our creation that we forget that there's someone on the other side of it. And that this really is a dance with someone else, with many someone else's. Yes. And I have seen time and again, and I've also experienced myself, this like, you get an idea, it feels like, you know, you're just like channeling this incredible idea. It's totally going to serve. It feels in alignment with your gifts. And and you just like, there's a there's no one else doing it. And you like go through all the work of creating it and launching it and crickets. <laughs> it doesn't sell. It doesn't land and you're like so confused and you know I've just I've seen people just like kind of melt down in that space of like what does it mean oh I must suck I'm not meant to do this whatever you can just sort of go into that self-limiting mindset but what I've been told over and over when I've been in those spaces is like talk to your customers talk to the people who bought ask them why they bought talk to the people who are following you like opening your emails like clicking like on your Instagram posts and just like ask them more about why they follow you and what they're struggling with. Um, And the more I've done that, it's directly correlated to the growth and success of my business and my general happiness (laughs) because I feel more in relationship and engagement with these people that I truly want to help. So tell me something from your point of view. Do you think that what's helping to further your sales and further your success with a product is the fact of having the conversation with people and saying, Hey, what's up? Do you like this? Do you not? Or do you think it's that the feedback that you get allows you to alter whatever you were creating to, to make sure that it's, you know, targeted toward them or is it both? It's both. Yeah. It's both like definitely getting like I send surveys at least a couple times a year to my list and I 
and I ask them about themselves so I can get a better understanding of who they are. You know, like, are you married? Are you single? Where do you live? How old are you? What do you do for a living? Things like that. And then I ask what they're struggling with and why they read and open my emails, right? And then I can t- I take what they say and I infuse that into my copyright so it feels like I understand them because I'm using their language. But what's also happening is like I have a membership community, the Dabless Collective Creative Sisterhood, and I've started having family meetings a la Glennon Doyle Melton that she's doing in her monastery community where I'm like, okay, you're all here for a reason. And I want to, I want to make sure like I'm serving you as best I can, you know, because that's really what it's about is making sure that I'm serving you as best I can. And I can't read your mind. So like, let's talk about our monthly calls. What do you love about the format? What don't you love about the format? Well, what is your, what would be like your dream scenario? So I post a video and then, and I say, don't be afraid of hurting my feelings because like truly I just want to hear you. Don't be afraid to disagree. Just like say what's true. And it's been awesome because I'm getting all this honest feedback about like, you know, I can never make the Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Like because of my kids or like I would love it if sometimes we did at different times or I'd love it if sometimes we did on the full moon. And I was just like, thank you. (laughs) I can easily change this. And then we have a deeper relationship, you know, it's where it's like there's greater trust towards me. And then I'm just like not, you know, flailing, trying to figure out like a needle in a haystack how to like serve these people because they've told me what they want. Do you have any tips or pointers for people who have not yet engaged with their audience in terms of really keeping it tight and directed? You know, because one of the things that that I know from me is when I've engaged with my audience before I started to finesse it a little bit, I'd go too broad, uh-huh. right? I kind of ask like broadly, what do you want? What do you need? Well, at, the answer would almost always come back in some way, shape or form, more of me, more of my uh-huh. time. Why don't you go on Facebook every day? Why don't you answer every post? You know, um, those types of things. And I very purposefully set up my programs not to be that way because that's like a sanity line for me, yeah. right? That's a sanity line I cannot cross. So what I found was that I had to get really good at asking questions so that I could first garner the information that I needed on or I knew I had wiggle room that I avoided opening the door for what could become a bitch fest or disappointment because, hey, we asked for this and you wouldn't do it. Like, I don't care how many times they ask me to be on Facebook every day. That's that's not something I can do. Right. So. I think that there's a little bit of uh, finesse needed in in phrasing these questions. So have you come up with any formulas for yourself or any tips for everyone? I don't have a formula. I think you bring up a really good point, um, which is the way you ask. So maybe this is what I do, just like reflecting out loud, is I say, you are heard. You know, I want you to feel heard. And I will make the final decision and I will tell you why, you know? So it's, it's, if it's like, I've had people say like more of you, more of you. And I've said, well, here's the boundary and that's why to protect, you know, my energy and I will give so much. And if you want to work with me one-on-one, here's there, here's that way, you know? So that's what's coming to me around talking to like my customers. And then I know that like the number one question 
that a lot of like marketing business coaches tell you to ask in your surveys that is super effective is to say like, what are you struggling with in blank? So in your business, for me, it was like, what are you struggling with in your creative spiritual practice right now? There's something about that word struggle and then the context in which it is that gets people to just go, just be really honest in that space. So that I'm answering it in two different ways. So like the first one is like how you can better serve your people and also frame it in a way that's like, I am hearing everything you have to say and I honor it and I have the final decision. And then the other thing is for marketing perspectives and how to like market to your ideal customer in a way that feels like they feel understood and then they buy is to ask them that question about what are they struggling with. Right. And see, that's a very specific question. And I think that that's key. You want a specific question and you want something that's not a yes, no answer. If someone can just say yes or no, they'll leave it at that. So you want something, you know, the question that you just gave us, Becca, was what are you struggling with? You can't just say yes. <laughs> right. Do you right. like reading my things? You know, it's like, right. It doesn't really help. Yeah. Yeah. So getting people engaged in something that they have to actually think about um, and that might actually uh, give them an opportunity to dive deeper into themselves and discover something. So that it's an, so that doing answering the question for you also becomes digging deeper for them and getting to know themselves better. So there's immediate payoff for them in answering the question for you. Yeah, I find that I get really lengthy answers too. It's like it's like therapeutic for them to answer it. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah, so it's really like tightening that no, no like trust factor that I'm really trying to cultivate here by being engaged and in relationship with these people because I don't want to seem like a machine, you know? Sometimes I write them back. I'm like, totally, like, I hear you on this, or I struggled with it too, just because. Yeah, I sent a, I sent a survey in January, and I spent like a month creating it And because I'm going through a rebrand, and so my designer was helping me craft these certain questions to help me really understand what is it about me and my personality that people love, you know, and these answers. This is interesting. Pause. I didn't get that survey and I'm on your mailing list. So did you send it to just the Dabalist Collective? No, I thought I sent it to everyone. Hmm. That's Hmm. interesting. Man, maybe I could have gotten, do I go to your spam? Dang. Well, usually you don't. Hmm. I don't know. It was around the holidays. It was that time when people's email inboxes maybe get a little crazy. I wonder if I could have gotten more responses. But yeah, the the results have been so clarifying for me. So, so clarifying. And I even got some responses that were like, you know, I've been in I've been into you for like a long time and you're I can see you sort of turning in a direction that's like not I'm not into. I'm like, cool. Thank you for telling me that. You know, like I've got a thicker skin now where I won't be like, "Eh." I'm just like, all right, all right. This is good feedback. Yeah. You know, would you be willing for for everybody out there to post your questions in the show notes? Totally. Totally. Okay. I think that people like, you know, talking about it without examples is sometimes a little hard to sink your teeth into. So if everyone could see that, that would be great. I'd love to see it. Totally. I'd love to see the types of questions that were getting really good responses. I just want to, I just want to back up. Like this is a two second backup, but we were talking about both of us having boundaries around 
like being in Facebook too much or, you know, how much one-on-one time we can actually provide, how many personal emails we can actually answer. I just want to share something that was reflected back to me from one of my witch campers recently. And she said, you know, I've noticed you pulling back from being in the Facebook group. And I've noticed that when you show up for us on calls and things like that, you are so much more present. You've obviously had things going on that were fun and creative and you have things to share. And she said, when you were on Facebook all the time, I could kind of tell that you were worn down. Yes. And I just thought that was so fascinating. Like she, you know, she could see what I feel and I, not everyone's going to see that. You're always going to have people who are going to be hammering at you more and more and more. But she could really see the difference between me when I filled the well and had time to do my own sacred work and creative projects and things like that between, you know, that and me being like scurrying on Facebook and trying to keep everyone happy. So I wanted everyone to hear that because you're you're not always going to have someone who is so astute who can reflect back to you from within your group. But I think it's really important to realize that on some level, people are sensing if you're not really 100% there because you're tired and worn out and spread too thin. Oh, my gosh. You can pick up on it so easily, like in the way someone emails you back, in the way they're responding to a post. Yeah, you can really pick up on the energy. And you and I are both in industries where like we have to walk our talk you know (laughs) like it's sort of essential right which is the beautiful thing it's like the medicine of our work is like we coming back to center all the time and embodying it um i love that she shared that with you uh and that you could take that and be like yeah cool growth because i know that i've talked to a commiserated is more like with a lot of business owners, online business owners who have online communities, whether they're like high-end mentorship masterminds or like more bigger membership groups like you and I have. And there's this whole thing around like, um, maybe it's like the people-pleasing stuff around like, well, I really want to, it's guilt. It's totally guilt. guilt. I want to be of value. I want to be of the most value, you know, like I want to be there for everyone and what will they think if I'm not there for everyone and it's like well they'll feel it like clearly with your example they'll feel it and it's what we like the greatest gift we can give ourselves our communities and our customers is our presence yeah yeah and and, instead uh, of being like kind of phys- physically present 100% of the time but emotionally present 50% of the time you know be physically present 50% of the time and emotionally present 100% of the time that you are physically present. You know what I mean? Like if I'm in front of you, I need to be spiritually, emotionally 100% there, not kind of like always operating at 75% because I'm spread too thin. Right. This is the freaking hustle myth that drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's like, actually, it does not serve. So... So that was my little my little backtrack, but I also want to want to kind of spring forward a little bit, if it's okay with you, yeah. because I think that the other thing that can happen when we start getting feedback from our peeps is we can start swinging like pendulums. Oh, yeah. So I want to give you guys an example from from my own experience. I have people who have been in witch camp now for three years, like over a hundred people who have been with me from the beginning, which is amazing, especially when those people want something. 
my ears perk up. They're the backbone. One woman who has been with me for a long time was emailing that I tend to create things that are more experiences than courses. And we've actually adopted that language. We're calling them experiences now instead of courses. Because what I'm able to do is to go out and have an experience. I'll guide you to do that, right? But um, I don't really believe that kind of the teaching from on high creates the results that people are looking for. So I've always had this kind of experience way of working. And I used to call those things classes. And so someone said to me, well, these classes aren't really classes. I want you to like teach me stuff. I want, you know, to hear exactly what this is and how it works and (sighs) why you do it this way. And I want the step-by-step nitty gritty details. And I was like, okay, I hear you. And you are a long time and important member of our community. So I created a course based on this feedback. Remember folks, like this is me talking in retrospect. This is one person asking. I created a course based on one person's needs. I usually get 200 plus people in like any which camp activity. I was, I think like at 70 for this. Like it just didn't get the attention and the love that most things do. The woman who asked for it, like she didn't realize that I had created this for her, but she took it and she complained the entire time. Mm. Every lesson, she had some kind of complaint. So what was really just such a deep learning for me was, first of all, I jumped based on one person's response. And I sent out surveys where I get like, usually over 100, 150 people will respond to a survey. So I get significant feedback. And yet, I let this one voice kind of rise up and like, push me off my track, push me out of what I felt really comfortable and strong doing. And, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't step outside of your comfort zone, but there is kind of this area where you like, you know, you're good. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. stepped from creating the kind of, of experience where I know I'm good. I know I can deliver and stepped into this other thing that doesn't work so well with my brain based on one person's feedback. And so I think it can be really easy to start swinging like a pendulum. Yeah. So in retrospect, I'm just curious about this. Looking back when you read that feedback or got that feedback and why did you make the decision to take it? Was there like a moment of like, well, maybe she knows better than me or what was, do you remember? I don't remember, you know, I think kind of broadly speaking, whenever we step into a situation like that and we let one voice influence us, it's because that voice mirrors something that we feel inside. Totally. Right? So that voice brings up your own self-doubts, brings up, you know, what if I'm not giving people what they really need? What if they need? For me, she was asking for kind of like more concrete intellectual stuff. And that's how I was brought up. I was brought up, you know, I have more... more hours spent in higher education than anyone should ever have. And it triggered that for me, for sure. If that's what you were getting at, Becca, that's like the crux of it is like, when does someone trigger you? And how do how do you recognize that you've been triggered instead of letting yourself go tracing down, you know, some path that might not be yours? Beautiful insight, Maya. Oh my goodness. That is so good. Because... First of all, reading feedback can be super triggering. 
so I like have realized I can only come to like surveys or feedback responses like when I'm feeling really good, <laughs> like when I'm feeling really good. And yeah, to totally be aware of your triggers. Yeah. So like I have a trigger of like, I'm just, I'm not there enough. That's a big one for me, the guilt of not being there enough. And like, just like, I'm not enough and I have to like spread myself thin and like just really be and work harder. Right. That's why I'm so triggered by hustling is because I have that whole thing, <laughs> you know? And yeah, to be aware of that is so key instead of being like, I'm going to create a course. I totally know what you mean. I completely changed and handmade holiday one year based on that feedback. And then it didn't do well. What was the feedback that people wanted to have gift making parties. And so I was like, Oh, I'll sell like the kits like for gift making parties. And people were like, I don't get it. I don't understand. How does that work? And I was like, <laughs> it's based off two people telling me it would be cool if you could do gift making party packs. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I think that one of the things, you know, if you're at a point in your business where you have a team. And if you're not at a point in your business where you have a team, empower your best friend or your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever the hell you talk to about this stuff to tell you when you're really swinging out of control. My assistant, Jess, not only does she know that she's supposed to tell me if I am like totally swinging off, I gave her three questions that she can ask me at any given point. And if I can't answer them clearly, articulately, and to her satisfaction, we do not go down that path. Okay, so what are the questions? I don't even remember what they are, which is kind of cool at this point, because I set this system up like two years ago. So I don't even know when she asked me those questions anymore. <laughs> I should ask her, though. I should ask her. Yeah, it'd be cool if you could share questions those, those questions. Yeah, because it's really, I think, empowering for her. Like, she, she says no to me. She's supposed to say no to me. I told her that, you know, part of her job is keeping the <laughs> the creative beast under control. Oh, man, I love that. I should empower Shay to do that. That would That's be great. Good. Because I can really, woo, go nuts sometimes. Well, and we set this up after I sent us traipsing down some merry path that cost us thousands of dollars and God knows how much time. And it wasn't even all that well thought out. And it like didn't you know like everything didn't come back together and reintegrate and we got to a point where she was like so how did you envision all this working and I was like oh I hadn't gotten that far and that's when I was like okay there's <laughs> got to be some fail safe there's got to be a check and balance system here that's cool instead of trying to change yourself to just create a yeah. system around which to work within yeah. Well, it's been really fascinating because I've watched her as I've empowered her to manage me I've seen it like even the other day we were in a team meeting, one of our other team members said, well, okay, so how about if I create a G drive file and we go back and forth and just, just stepped right in and said, Maya works best. If you go over it with her verbally, you and I can, you know, get into it in written format later, give it to her now so that we can all hear the responses and work through them. I was like, thank yeah. you. Thank <laughs> you. Cause I don't know that I would have had like in that moment, I don't know that I would have had the presence of mind to be like, yeah, that's not the way I work best. Mm -hmm. Right. Because mm -hmm. a million things are flying at you and you're just like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and she was like, no, we're not going to do it that way. You know, find someone in your life that you can empower 
And this works both ways. You might not be like an off-the-wall creative like me. You might be someone who tends to walk the straight and narrow and forget that there's anything outside of the straight and narrow. So you might need someone who says, you know, you need to expand your thinking. Yeah. You need to know what what you do and how you behave and what your what your kind of comfort level fallback is that trips up your company. Even if your company's your family, like even if it's how you manage the money and the food shopping and everything else. If there's this one thing that always gets you off base, empower someone to, you know, help get you back where you need to be. Yeah. Cooperative frameworks. Yeah. I think we got off base, but (laughs) (laughs) customer engagement. Also have someone hold you accountable for your wild ideas. So Becca, from now on, you can hold up a little sign that says, come back to our topic. I was into it. <laughs> I'm with you. We need Jess and Shay here. I know. Gosh. So yeah. should we do our rapid fire questions, which yes. are not so rapid? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to go okay. first. Okay, go. So Maya, it is known that you just finished the first draft of your book. Ah! Yes, Congrats I did. on finishing that. And I want to know if there's any sort of takeaways or just like one truth that you've taken out of the process of writing a book. I don't know about like the process of writing a book, but the process of getting a contract, my book's going to be published, traditionally published. And, you know, the process of getting a contract, I'd say my biggest truth is you don't know what the hell's going to happen and how it's going to happen and how it's going to go down. I mean, this looked nothing like what anyone told me getting a book deal looked like. Getting a book deal is supposed to be you write your book proposal and that goes to a bunch of people that you're trying to convince to be your agent. And then your agent shops the book and, you know, like there's this whole process. My process looked nothing like that at all. It took two years. I was in dialogue with this press for two years before we got a deal. And after we got a deal, we'd been talking about it for so long that they'd already put it onto their calendar. In order to meet the production date, I had to write the book in a month, (laughs) which is crazy. So like no part of this looked the way anyone tells you it's going to look. And for me, that, that caused me moments of like, could I be doing this better? You know what I mean? Like if I had done this the quote right way, hmm. would this be flowing better? Would I have a more lucrative deal? Would I have better terms? Or you know what I mean? All the like all those questions that come up. What happened for me to kind of settle all that and put it to rest is I went to visit a friend in Los Angeles. We ended up at apparently, what do I know? One of the best sushi restaurants in LA with the owner and a couple other people and like some, some people who were high powered people in LA, which is a high powered town. And one of the guys turned to me and he said, you have a book deal. Everyone wants a book deal. And it was just that moment of going like, wow, it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter whether you follow the rules or didn't follow the rules, whether you're writing in a year or writing in a month, you got a book deal. And it let me kind of take that in and realize that this was an accomplishment and and I needed to stop looking at the process and questioning the process. Right. Accept what came, accept what is. Yeah. You know, this is a tough thing because it's one of those, you go where the energy is flowing because sometimes you do have to say no. 
I don't think you always have to say yes, just because it feels like the energy is going in a certain place. Like Danielle Laporte walked away from a book deal. Right. In the final negotiations, and I think she's talked about this pretty publicly, so I don't think this is news. And anyone could have said the energy was flowing right into that book deal. And it was, I, I know what company it was with. And it was a, with a company that publishes a lot of really big names. So it would, from the outside, would have seemed like a really good deal. And yet she didn't feel like it was in the flow she wanted to be in. And she walked away. So, you know, it's dangerous to say, just say yes to everything because it feels like it's in the flow. Mm. Definitely check in with yourself. Yeah. But I think also... Not everything goes down the way you think it's going to go down. And sometimes that's okay, too. Beautiful. So my question is not as exciting. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? Go back. Write a new question. No. I was thinking, I'm going to frame this a little bit. Sometimes I have friends who start totally bitching about people who post food on Instagram. Like, we don't want to see your food. (laughs) and so I was just thinking about you know when you're out on the social media airwaves whether it's Facebook or or Instagram what do you like what's your pet peeve what makes you crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's a really juicy question actually (laughs) okay the first one that comes to mind (laughs) so funny I forget what it's called. Is it called fake booking? When people post like, I'm so excited about something and I can't tell you what it is. Or like, Uh, or they go like, I really don't like it when some people do something that really rubs you the wrong way, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, wink. And you're just like, what? It's almost like it's aimed at some person who's not you. Right. Or it's like, just, just like, I really want you to ask me. I really want you to ask me what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then people can yeah. be like, what are you talking about? What's up? You know, like that just like really gets to me. It's probably some trigger around like attention seeking stuff for me. I'm sure of it. But yeah, that drives <laughs> me crazy. And I think on Instagram, because that's like my playground, I actually love food photos and food photos are very popular because everyone sort of relates with food, you know, like there's an understanding. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I really don't like poor lighting or blurry photos. Mm. There was a, there was a something like a few years ago, Martha Stewart got an Instagram and it was so poorly done because it was like actually Martha Stewart with her iPhone taking photos of her life. And like this totally, I actually loved it because I've just been like not into the Martha Stewart perfection thing around creativity because I think it created a lot of insecurity around creativity that like I myself am working to like overcome with women and Mm -hmm. just to see that capital M capital S Martha Stewart had poor (laughs) lighting and blurry photos and like, wasn't the perfect Instagrammer was like, okay, this is awesome. This is liberating because that means (laughs) we're all the same. And yeah, I think she ended up, I don't know what happened. She might've got someone to then now take over Instagram because she just got like panned in the media for like are you kidding me but yeah it's true like if it's bad i if it's like really dark or really blurry like rethink posting it because it you know as exciting as that moment was if people really can't understand it then it's probably not worth it (laughs) that's such a great like you just pulled us right back to communication if people can't understand it it's not worth it right right 
Like everything that we're doing is about communication. Yeah. It's, it's reminding me a little bit. And I've realized, I've realized that there are people who write for themselves. So please, you know, take this in the context. I was teaching a poetry class at the 92nd street Y in New York. And we would read once a week, like someone would present a poem and, and read to the group. So the setup was that you're reading to the group. And some of these poems were just masturbation. Like they weren't for anyone's pleasure, but the person who wrote them. Mm. And I think we have to really keep that in mind yeah. as business owners, right? That what we're doing like masturbation's great, but do it in the comfort of your own home. <laughs> Tweet that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we just, we really need to remember that this is about relationship. Yeah. Right, right. And that's what I love so much about Instagram is it feels like this poetry and this expression of your individuality in mm -hmm. a way that really communicates and reaches out to people and that and I think it's one of the most effective ways you can really authentically express who you are and reach people well it's a very feminine way because we're very visual and having those photos how does your eye see the world you want to know that about each other I think it's incredible I've also I'm in this like group program right now this mentor program and we were all talking about how we're somehow more braver on Instagram we feel like like the truest expression of ourselves and like what we actually have to say to the world we can post on Instagram there's something I mean it's totally public but there's something about that space that feels like sacred and protected and I mean sometimes there are trolls but for the most part it's just like something magical about Instagram where it's this like <laughs> feminine portal into sacred expression that I just really value. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And speaking about social media and this is, this is my final comment. I don't know if you have any final comments, but <laughs> I was just thinking about the crazy yucky hoopla that happened on Facebook after the election. Yeah. And one of the things that I've realized during that time and kind of reading people's questions and the responses is that how you phrase your question has the way people will respond baked in. When I, you know, when I really looked at these questions that were causing a lot of angst and anger and things like that, when you looked carefully at the way the question was phrased, the responses were baked in. You could actually see where they were, like where those responses were going to start getting ugly and nasty and derailing. Right. The bias, That's, the conscious and yeah. unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. You know, if you're thinking about sending out a survey to your, to your clients, your customers, maybe go cruise around on Facebook, see the way people are phrasing things and try to get yourself attuned to, um, the kind of responses that are baked into the questions, because you actually want to bake your response in a little bit. You want people to respond in a way that is constructive and positive. You want to bake that into your question yeah. so that when you ask it, people are more likely to respond in a way that actually helps you help them. Right. Yeah, be artful and thoughtful about it. It's worth taking the time, definitely. 
Well, cool. Thanks, guys, for joining us for another episode of the Lunar Lab podcast. We love Gavin. <laughs> we love Gavin. We we love that you love that we love Gavin. Yeah. So thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah. And um, if, you're, if you're loving this, we'd love for you to do us a favor, if you haven't already, and subscribe to us on iTunes and write a review. Because I don't know if you've heard this, but that's the best way to get this podcast in more ears. And that's the best way to spread the word. So, yeah, just hop on iTunes in your account and look up the Lunar Lab and hit subscribe. It would be awesome. Thanks, y'all. Bye.